0: Welcome back to episode 19 of the podcast, Own It. I'm your host, Jordan Borditsky, and today I'm pleased to be joined by a very good friend of mine, Sadie Schuster. Sadie is an active mental health advocate and a current high school student in Vancouver, BC. With hard work and dedication, she is working toward creating a universal website where Canadian teens struggling with mental health can easily navigate the various mental health resources that exist in Canada today. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Sadie.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited.
0: So I want to start off our conversation by having you explain what your ambitious goals are for your website, and particularly what inspired you to start this project.
1: Yeah, so I have a very complex history with my own mental health, but it's been like a very long and hard process um, for probably about the past two, three years. Um, so I'll share a little bit about um, my history, because that's really what inspired me to start this website um I probably about two years ago um really just I started really struggling with my anxiety I have always had anxiety in my life I'm sure and I mean everybody does but I think it's been quite quite hard for me to manage um but it I reached sort of like quote-unquote like breaking point and I was everything made me really anxious leaving the house going to school doing everyday tasks everything was just a lot harder for me to get done in my day Um, and I ended up I was really lucky that I found a therapist who was taking new clients and managed to get in like about a week later which unfortunately is not the truth for a lot of people Um, and I started seeing her and it was great Um, but I was I was in a place where I was so low that therapy wasn't as useful as it could be because I couldn't even fathom the idea of moving forward. I couldn't understand that there was a way to like combat my anxiety and to use strategies to help me with that. So I started on medication which isn't for everybody but for me I think really brought me out of that low point and brought me to a place where I could start the therapeutic process Um, so that was really helpful I worked with her for about for about a year Um, I was still in school at the time um, and that was it was it was challenging I go to a very competitive school Um, marks were really important to me and I was only doing therapy once a week when I really needed extra support. And I, I couldn't just do with once a week for an hour help because I needed more than that. Um, and I ultimately sort of reached the end of my time with that therapist, which is totally normal. And it was nothing about her. It was nothing about me. It's just our work had sort of died down and we I needed sort of a fresh start. So I started with another woman who I'm still working with today. It's been a long time with her now. Um, And I think that's really when my therapeutic work really started working, but also where I think my mental health declined a little bit and it was nothing to do with the work that we were doing. It just, it happens naturally. There's no timeline for it. Recovery is not linear in any sense. And I started really struggling. I like I said before, like the everyday tasks were really hard. I had really negative thoughts. Um, I had a lot of like cognitive distortions, like a lot of negative self-talk and like, um, and it was really, it was really challenging. I started, you know, using some unhealthy coping strategies um, and I needed more support. And I think that's really, what inspired me to start this project where one week one time a week an hour a week of therapy was not enough for me I couldn't schedule when I was going to have a hard day I couldn't schedule when my mental breakdown was going to happen I couldn't schedule you can't schedule what you're going to feel like on a given day and having scheduled therapy sessions which is great because I like the consistency was just not enough because I needed more support than that and I think like I. Spent hours online trying to find resources that would help me because I needed more help and I knew it, and I was in crisis. And my first one that I really used was the Kids Help Phone, um, which is was really great for me. I I needed that support in my times of crisis, and it was available twenty four seven to me. Um, And from there, I did a lot more research on other things that might be of help to me. And it was, I mean, it was really shocking that there there are many in Canada, but they're very hard to find. They're on like all different corners of the internet and to find ones that work for you is really, really challenging. And so... Luckily for me, I had, you know, my support network of my friends, my family, my therapist, my psychiatrist, and all these people that, you know, were able to help me with that, but not everybody has that. And so I think that's really what inspired me to start this project is just people need support. Maybe they're navigating, living their life with mental illness, maybe they're experiencing some struggles with their mental health whatever it is, everybody needs support. And I want to be able to not provide that for other people, but have a space where people can come and, you know, navigate and identify ways that they can support themselves um, with their own journey.
0: Yeah, well first of all I want to say thank you so much for being open and, and sharing your story. I know that uh, it can be difficult at times for people to self reflect, but it's it's an, it's important and and I think also you raised some very important points. I think it's, you know, there are many resources out there in Canada, but they're so difficult to find and and I think what you're doing is is amazing providing a website where it's easy to navigate for people who are struggling in that moment. And I like how you said that point that you know, you don't choose when you're having a bad day and and that you know those uh, once a week um, visits with the psychologist wasn't enough, and I think that's another important issue that you know we're trying to address in here in Canada is how can we um, have people seeing their psychologists more frequently, and second of all, how can we get people to see more psychologists? Because a conversation I had earlier was, you know, we all struggle with something in our own way. We we all have our own personal struggles with mental health, of course, to different degrees. But um, the importance of seeing a psychologist goes is is huge, and and they make a big difference in your life and. And uh, yeah, just going back to that, I think that what you're doing is is fantastic. And I wanted to ask you, when you were navigating on your own, was there one mental health resource in Canada that particularly stood out to you that you would want to share maybe with others listening?
1: Yeah, I think I would probably say, and like I am sort of touched on before, the Kids Help Phone, I think it's probably one of the better known ones in Canada. But I I do have to say, It has a special place in my heart. Um, I have personally been affected by their work and I know others who have benefited from having this organization. And I mean, for those those who don't know what the Kids Help Phone is, it's a crisis line that has trained volunteers 24-7 to support all youth in Canada. And I think the best part about it, at least for me, was that There were so many different ways that you could access the support. There was, you could go over the phone if you wanted to really talk live with somebody, you could text them, you could messenger them or live chat. And it was so great because it's so, and not that there's any shame in reaching out for help and using a crisis line, but it's so discreet that I could be sitting at a coffee shop, I could be in my house, I could be at school and I could be in crisis and be texting on my phone with a trained professional who could help me through what I was dealing with and nobody else had to know if I didn't want them to know. And I think that was just so incredible that I was able to have that whenever I needed it. Um, So that definitely stood out for me. I think, I mean, I was very lucky in the sense that I actually, something that I didn't touch on before was I ended up getting treatment actually in the States. I know not many people have that opportunity. And I was really lucky that I went to an inpatient program um, in the U S for two months. And it was like a really intensive program. Um, And when I came back, I had this, I had a very different view on what treatment looks like, because I experienced a bunch of different modalities, and I got to use all these different resources for me. And I came back and i I knew what I was looking for. so when i when I started you know researching for this website or even just researching personally because I needed extra support in some areas, I knew I knew what to look up because I had experienced all these different things. So I knew what there was out there. That when I got back, I was able to do a lot of research um, and find the things that work that worked for me. And like I said, like my goal is to share that with everyone ha- everyone else. So there's so many great ones in Canada that now I'm aware of, um, and I'm just so grateful that I get to share that with other people because I think that's incredible. And nobody should go through anything alone. Nobody has to. Um, and I think I think Kids Help one along with many other resources in Canada are doing a great job um in doing
0: that yeah i'm glad you were able to find um the kids help phone and and, or sorry the crisis line and and use that and i i think it's important to mention that as well that you know if people are looking for resources and they can't find one right away it's important not to give up keep looking because there are things that exist and eventually you will find one and one that will help you may find one that won't help, but keep looking, don't give up. And I think that's the take home message. And and that's really important. Um, I want to bring up your experiences past year as a student in high school during the pandemic. I'm sure many people listening may be able to relate with similar experiences to yours. Can you speak about some of the mental health challenges you or others, you know, face as a student in high school during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, the pandemic has thrown everyone for a loop. Um, I think that was challenging for every person here. Um, And I can't, I can't speak for anyone else um, and their experiences. But I know for me, it was really challenging. And it really impacted my mental health in so many different aspects. I, I was actually reflecting on this recently, I think everybody lost something in the pandemic, whether it was a favorite after school activity, a proper graduation, a job opportunity, a loved one, or even, you know, the, the feeling of safety and security. And just with that in mind, I, I, the pandemic, I think really negatively affected my quality of life. I, was scared in a lot of senses. The things that, you know, used to bring me a lot of joy, I wasn't able to do anymore. I'm big on weightlifting and exercise, and I love art classes and all these things, but I wasn't able to do any of them. And so I think those coping strategies and things that really brought me a lot of joy were sort of taken from me. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I can even say that and that I had that before. Um, but it was really tough to not have those things that I relied on in a lot of senses to sort of get me through that time. I think I, I was very isolated from my community, well, figuratively and literally. Um, and I know it's different for every person, but everybody needs love and connection and attention. And to not have that in so many ways is really, really hard. And I think now, I mean, even now, when restrictions are lifting and we're sort of coming out of it in some senses, um, there's still a lot of fear. For a long time, I was told that staying at home and staying in my bubble was protecting my life and the lives of others. And now that, you know, we can go out and I'm going back to school and I can go To the grocery store, um, there's still that fear, because what was ingrained in me and for others for for a long time doesn't just disappear. And I've found myself even now being anxious and afraid of doing those everyday things because, like I said before, like it it was hard, and we were all scared, and we had this reaction, and that isn't something that just turns off. And so I think, I think it's really challenging now. It was challenging during the pandemic. Um, And yeah, like I said, I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that it definitely affected me in a lot of the ways.
0: And I wanted to say, you know, certainly during the pandemic, The conversation around mental health has become a bit more prevalent and people were kind of suggesting different strategies that people could do to manage their anxiety or stress of being isolated at home during the pandemic. And I'm curious, now that school has returned to in-person, how much is mental health talked about in high school, in your opinion, or from your experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I just, I'm big on just knowing that I can't speak for everybody. And I don't know what it's like across all schools, because I haven't been to every school. But in my experience, I have to say that it's not talked about enough. There's, I know, at least at my school, there's some conversation around it. We have, you know, we have school counselors, some of the students will talk about it with each other, some teachers will, but it will never be enough because mental health is so important and it's critical to like our lives it, it can if you are struggling with mental health or mental illness it can affect you in so many different ways that the conversations that you know we're having in schools and that I hear from my other friends who are in schools is not enough and it's it's hard and I wish it was more but it's and it's a process, um, but it definitely, there's a lot of room for improvement in that sense.
0: And I want to follow up with the next question. What can be done in your opinion to educate and encourage more conversation within schools about mental health?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I think that it's really to start more conversations and to you know, have more open dialogue around mental health, I think really starts with having that initial conversation. And especially in school systems, I think, at least in my experience, I was very surprised at how open teachers and administration were about talking about mental health. They just needed a little push. And I think so I think that's really important of just, you know, sparking that conversation and even asking these types of questions like how can we make it a more open space for people to talk about it or sharing you know your own experiences or asking people like what's going on for them even just like how are you and you know slowly schools can if we take the proper steps become a more open space for everybody to talk about their mental health um i think for like, oh, like for schools and teachers just as a whole, it will be really important and it is important. It's always been important, but just going forward to try and create an environment that can de-stigmatize mental health because everybody has their own mental health. Everybody has challenges with it. Everybody gets stressed. Sometimes people experience mental illnesses. Everybody. Has some challenge at some point in their life. And if we can really take that into account and support one another, I think it's incredibly important. I also think, you know, hiring trained professionals in school systems is really important. My school has, you know, trained counselors who are there during school day. I know not all schools have that or they have them in, you know, different forms, but having trained professionals there to support students is incredibly important and I also think I mean teachers spend every day with students and having education for teachers to be better trained on how to identify kids in crisis but also then how to support those kids in crisis because a lot of people aren't comfortable going up to a teacher and expressing how they're feeling but if teachers can have a better understanding of what it looks like to have, and it's not the same for everybody. But what it looks like to see it, uh, students struggling, and to be able to pinpoint that, and then try and support the student in whatever way they can, I think is really important. Um, and also, knowing where the line of prioritizing mental health over schoolwork is, I have a lot of personal experience of. Having conversations with my teacher and expressing my teachers and just expressing that, you know, school is important and I think learning is important, but my mark on my math test is not the end of the world. And if I need an extension on my English essay or just as an example, my English essay, because I need to take a day off and I need to take care of myself, should be appreciated. because. Everybody needs to take care of themselves first and foremost. And if teachers can be more accommodating to that and accommodating to having conversations and seeing where they um, can sort of take a step back and, you know, let students really prioritize themselves, I think is also really important. I've had a lot of great teachers really you know, just instill the idea that you come first, and school, yes, is important, learning is important, but that doesn't mean anything if you're really struggling. And I think if schools can have that type of mindset of, you know, the student's mental health, mental and physical health come first, and we can, you know, be accommodating to that, I think that's really, really important. and I think even just like within like the student body, just if we have more conversations about our own mental health and ask others about theirs, their, the school system will be you know, a much more open and welcoming place for students to talk about their issues and what they're struggling with. And I think just having more conversations and opening up more is, like will do no harm, and it could only it could only do good.
0: Yeah, no, Sadie, you raised several very important points, and and I want to just kind of add to a lot of your your points. I think that first of all, um, you talk about teachers identifying mental health, and I think that's really important, especially in high schools, because we see these younger students who may be showing signs of their struggles, for example, social anxiety or getting really bad um, anxiety or depression while they're at school. But sometimes they 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 can bring it home and hide it or they choose not to bring it home to the house and so really where we see a lot of that mental health is at school where they spend the majority of their day so having the teachers who are with them is very important to a recognize it like you said and b how can we um, not only recognize but what can we do to help and support that student and and so that's a really important thing the second point i want to say is that you know i i feel very optimistic with um i can't speak so much to high school because my last you know i just finished university but at least at the university level at western um you know they're implementing now self-reporting systems so for the past three or four years now a student who is at school who is experiencing some sort of doesn't even have to be a crisis just some sort of mental health struggle that they uh, feel that they can't write an exam or they can't do a Um, an assignment and of course there's regulations to it I think it can't be uh, something over 30% but nonetheless it's the idea the principle that matters they can self-report self-report an assignment Mm -hmm. on our exam and they don't have to provide the teacher or professor with an explanation so I think and you know that was implemented to start the conversation on mental health so that people don't need to feel that they can they need to hide it and they can just um be open with a teacher and say i'm putting a self report down because i'm not in the mental state to to do this assignment due that which is due tomorrow or you know what i mean so i think yeah. i think that's very yeah sorry go ahead
1: so you just going to say i think that's incredible i think you know taking a student's lead on that and really allowing people to be open about that and just respecting what students need is so important so i love that western's doing that and i think that's amazing
0: yeah, and no, it, it, it is amazing. It really, and I feel like, you know, back 20, 30 years ago, maybe when our parents were going to school, there was no conversation around mental health, or at least it wasn't nearly as prevalent as it is today. And I think that, you know, when you have a school or an institution like Western um, implementing such rules, you're really, um, I guess, how should I put it, you're really allowing the students to feel supported or allowing the students to feel that they can share their struggles and be supported by their school you know what I mean if, if there were no such rules that existed or no such self-reports a student would feel ashamed of or embarrassed to do a self-report or not do their exam so I think if we can have these schools high schools universities support their students then we'll start to see a change and more people coming up and discussing about their mental health struggles yeah. so that, that was a lot of information but I think you raised several important points and I wanted just um, to add that But where I wanted to go next with our conversation is I wanted to ask you about some of the strategies you have used to help with your own mental health. And can you share some of the strategies that have worked for you and particularly what about those strategies do you find helpful?
1: Coping with mental health and for me like mental illness is really hard and really individualized and it's a lot it's a lot of trial and error, which can be very discouraging in a lot of senses because when you need support and you need you know, ways to cope with what you're dealing with, it's hard to do things that aren't working. And it's hard to keep this positive mindset that something will eventually work. Luckily, I, I have been able to find some things that really work for me. When I get really anxious, I like to practice a DBT skill called TIP. It's like, it's a distress tolerance skill that stands for temperature change, intense exercise, paced breathing and progressive muscle relaxation, which I love doing all of those. But my favorite would be temperature change. Like even if I'm just holding like an ice cube or maybe I'll take a cold shower, Or sometimes I'll even just drink a glass of cold water. That physical sort of like shock to the system really just calms my mind and my anxiety down. And it I feel like it's this like like fresh start, like almost I'm starting new again, which is really helpful to me. Um, I also really love doing art and. I mean, that's, again, that's not for everybody and nothing will be for everybody, but doing art, I got into knitting. I like painting and drawing and doodling and sort of just practicing that mindfully and not you know, being focused on the final product or things seeming to be perfect, but just allowing myself to sit down without my phone, without social media, without background noise, without other people there, sitting down by myself, and doing something that I enjoy, which is art for me a lot of the time, is really, really helpful. And it just my whole I can feel like my whole body language change. I can feel everything. And I end up, you know, just taking like a big deep breath. Then I can go back to what I was doing before. I can go back to whatever I need to do the rest of the day with this different outlook on my life.
0: Well, that's awesome. And I, I wanted to ask you, did any strategies, I guess, change during the pandemic? Things maybe that worked, for example, before the pandemic didn't work during the pandemic, or you picked up on a new strategy that worked for you? Anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I sort of touched on this before, but I think, like, I was taking art classes before the pandemic. And I, you know, was training a lot in weightlifting almost every day in hopes of competing for weightlifting and all of these, you know, different avenues for me were sort of cut off, which was really challenging, but it was also an opportunity because I can't always assume that I can just leave my house and go take an art class or that at all points in my life, there will be those ways, you know, to cope. So I think it was really an opportunity for me to learn what I could use in my own home um and so I I do think it changed in a lot of ways I started doing a lot of yoga um so I could move my body but also practice mindfulness and like breathing um I'm now doing my YTT my yoga teacher training um in hopes of being a yoga instructor so that was a big part for me during the pandemic a lot of mindfulness um and like meditation and like it's it was incredible how many you just look up like on youtube or whatever platform of like meditations and there's hundreds of thousands of them that you can access for free that are really really great you can pick which ones work for you um so a lot of yoga a lot of meditation a lot of art um and just like a lot of sitting outside and something that honestly, I have taken for granted a lot before of just like sitting on my front stairs and just like closing my eyes and feeling the sun touch my skin was like huge during the pandemic at the time that I felt I was like in my house a lot or going for a walk around the block. All these little things that I think I grew a lot of appreciation for are now actually part of my you know, box of coping strategies.
0: No, that's, that's great. And I think you talked about uh, um, going outside and how that helped you. That's a conversation I actually had a few days ago with a friend and we were talking about online courses last year. And we were saying how, you know, much of these strategies that they used um, to help manage their anxiety or depression or whatever their mental health state was, they would like use like... um, like, or they would go on their screen, for example, or maybe they'd watch Netflix, right? And so that's hard because you spent the whole day online with your classes and now you're sitting inside again, watching um, Netflix, for example. So, you know, what we were saying that we, a lot of the strategies about just going outside are really helpful and, and getting exercise or even just going for a walk, like you mentioned are big. And um, I think it's, you know, a lot of people have said that, that it's helped them during the pandemic, just getting outside. So um, that's great. and And something I encourage lots of people to do as well
1: yeah I think sorry I just I was gonna say I think another like really big thing during the pandemic was I think it really gave at least me and I'm assuming a lot of other people the opportunity to really listen to your body and I think I think that it well we were sort of forced to pause in a sense and to be able to listen to what Our body was asking of us, and I think sort of my former mindset a lot of like like I would be very negative in the sense of be like why are you being so lazy or like I didn't want to do something and I'm like well why 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 won't you do that? But I think now after the pandemic I can be like why is my body asking for so much rest and really you know ask myself what my body needs rather than looking at it at like a bad thing in like a judgmental place. And I think the pandemic really helps with that of slowing down and listening to what your body was asking for.
0: No, and and now that you mentioned that, I mean, you know, if you think about it, there are several silver linings to the pandemic. It doesn't all have to be negative. There's certainly things that that we've learned and that have helped us. So um, I guess on the topic of thinking positively, that's that's definitely um, something we can take away. I did want to ask you um your advice toward family members or friends who are trying to support a loved one who struggles with the mental health or a mental illness. I guess what advice do you have to those people who are unsure how to really support a friend or a family member going through uh, or struggling with an, with an illness.
1: Yeah, I think I think what was looking back on, you know, my struggles and not to say that like I don't struggle with my mental health today cuz that's would not be true um being there to listen but not to solve is really important I had a lot of experiences with people who I felt like were trying to change things for me and that ultimately is not helpful um because when we reach out for support and at least for me when i reached out for support and you know shared what i was experiencing i really just wanted somebody to listen i didn't need somebody to be like oh my god well we can just take you out of that or why don't we just get you this and it'll help with that or whatever it was i needed i needed a shoulder to lean on i needed somebody to sit down with me and listen and and really actually listen to what i had to say not just you know pretend that they were there um and I needed someone to validate what I was experiencing not not saying oh you know everything will be all right um I needed people to be like yeah that sucks that's really hard and let me know if I can do anything so reaching out and you know being there to listen and offering your support without trying to push anything on someone um, is super important, and I also and I just emphasize that for teachers and I guess teachers too, but families and friends and you know support for people. You need to take care of yourself as well, because you can't support someone if you are struggling. Um, and you have to love yourself and be you know be content with what you're experiencing to really help others in a positive way.
0: Oh yeah, I think that's a lot of great advice, and um, you know, there's there's so many things um, that people can can try and and uh, and do to support a friend, and, and sometimes they feel like it's not helping, but but I think you raise a lot of good points, and sometimes it's just as simple as listening, and and it goes a long way. I wanted to ask you, what was the best piece of advice you received from someone that has helped you in your everyday uh, everyday managing and or coping with your mental health? Not to put you on the spot here too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I think that's a great question. I think, I mean, I actually can't remember who told me this, but somebody said, or maybe I read it somewhere that you can't control what will happen. You can only control how you will react to that. And I think I think there's so much beauty in that statement. Actually, I really think it's beautiful. Um, but it's also so true. I definitely have some control issues. Like I really like to know what's going on and I like to plan things and I like to know exactly when this is gonna happen and what this is gonna happen and sort of have control over my life. But ultimately that's, if that doesn't happen. You know, like life happens in a lot of senses and things will be thrown at you Things that you could never expect, um, and a, a lot like the pandemic, like none of us could have controlled that. It was really hard, but you have the opportunity to control how you can move forward from that. And I, you know, when I was really struggling, I, you know, would go up to my parents and be like, "I just need you to help me. Like, just help me." And you know, I would. I looked for support from other people and other things when things, when times got tough. Um, But I never really looked within. And I think it was super important in that moment that I realized that I get to control. I don't want to see you can control your emotions because things happen. I couldn't control what I was anxious about, but I got to control what I did next. So I could take my anxiety about, you know, going to the grocery store and say, okay, well then I guess I will never go to the grocery store. I'll just order it. Or I could decide that I'm going to take small steps and I'm going to go to the grocery store and today I'm going to sit outside the grocery store for 10 minutes and then I'll go back home. The next day I'm going to try again. Or I'm going to go inside and I'm just going to buy a bunch of bananas and then go home. So you really get to control what you do in your life and how challenges that you are faced with, if those are going to define you or if you're going to experience them, take them in, not to invalidate that or try and push them down, but take them in and then move forward.
0: I really like that. And I think that's really important because I feel like a lot of people become anxious. Um, at least the people I know will become anxious because they lose control. So, um, providing them with that statement shows them that, you know, the control is not gone. You still have the control next. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's really important. And and I think that, uh, You know, the control, like I said, isn't all gone and and you have a choice, like you said, to make or decide what your next steps are and how you're going to move forward. I really like that. So I want to change the topic now to discussing about mental health in the near future. Certainly, as I said, a lot of conversations surrounding mental health and different strategies for managing stress or anxiety has been brought up during the COVID pandemic. Where do you see the conversation surrounding mental health in society going from here? I
1: think... I mean, honestly, I don't know. I have a lot of hopes, um, And I think like sort of you touched on before, like there has been progress. Like I'll talk to my parents of what, you know, things were like and what the conversation was like before. And there, there has been a lot of change. So I'm hopeful that, you know, we will continue to progress. Not that it's linear in any way, um, but I really hope that people will become more open with their own stories. Um, because it's really important. And I, you know, I hear other people's stories and I get inspired and it makes me feel less alone in my own. And I am excited today that I get to share my story with other people. Um, And by doing so, you know, we break, we don't break the stigma because I think that's, that's a long process, but we are making steps. We're taking steps towards getting to a more open world about that. Um, I also hope that mental health will be treated the same as physical health one day because it is, and I am a big believer that mental health is as important, if not more than one physical health. Um, and I, I, I hope that people talk more about what has helped them and what resources They've used and how other people can use the same because nobody should be alone in this. And so many people experience you know struggles with their mental health or mental illness at some point in their life that there's no point of not sharing with each other what we've learned. I also think it you know as mental health becomes a more mainstream conversation, I hope that policymakers will realize that we need more psychologists, psychiatrists, and trained professionals that are accessible to all people. I have been, you know, really lucky that I haven't had to wait very long to see trained professionals, and I've had that opportunity. I, you know, my parents are able to pay for that for me, and I have, you know, these amazing resources available to me, but that is not the truth for so many people and there aren't enough I took me six months to see a psychiatrist um it took I mean luckily only a week or two to see a psychologist but for a lot of people they could wait up to a year even more which is really not fair because people need support and So, my hope is that people will talk about that more and their struggles with finding psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors and all these different things because people need support and people aren't getting that. And there are people, you know, like I said before, like I'm very lucky that I was able to afford a lot of the help that I got, but there are people who are not in the same financial situation as I and a lot of other people are. And mental health needs to be accessible to people you know, of all backgrounds and economic stances. And I think it's really unfortunate that that's not how it is now, but I hope that the conversation will move in that that direction of how can we get, you know, support to people on all corners of the world who are in all different situations and circumstances.
0: I couldn't agree with you more, Sadie, on on all those points. And I think that you know you're contributing toward your hope and you know by you just coming here and sharing your story you're going to inspire so many other people that are listening to this. And, and again, that goes back to why I started this. And, you know, I hope that just inviting guests on to th- share their stories can help inspire others. And, and together we can all make a difference. And, um, I I'm, I'm on your boat. I think that, you know, I hope for a future where, uh, the, the mental illness is, is talked and just as important as physical illness. And I think, uh, we, we still have a long way to go. Um, there's certainly been progress over the year and it's not going to, um, change on a dime or, or whatnot, but I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're making progress and it makes me optimistic to see that, but we certainly have, have a long way to go still. And I want to ask, what barriers do you think cause people to still be hesitant to speak out about their mental health struggles and in what ways can we help eliminate these barriers?
1: I think, I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, Jordan, I think you're doing a great job having this podcast. There is a lot of stigma around mental health. Um, and I think for a lot of people, and you know, par- for part of my life as well, I think struggling was was and still is in a lot of ways viewed as weak. And I th- sort of this dialogue that like you get to control how you feel, which is really unfair because I don't get to choose that I have anxiety or depression. Nobody gets to choose that they, you know, have trauma. Nobody gets to choose that they have bipolar disorder or, you know, whatever they're struggling with. And I think, I think that idea is what keeps a lot of people, you know, sort of like scared of speaking up about it. Um, I think how to, those barriers is really these types of conversations. So talking about it with your family, your friends, your teachers, your, you know, educators, your all, everybody that you have a connection to talking about it, because if we don't talk about it we don't talk about the stigma and we don't talk about our own experiences, we will not progress and having conversations and asking others, you know, about their opinions and their experiences, I think is going to be really important to breaking down those barriers.
0: No, absolutely. And and on the topic of stigma, I mean, there's there exists self-stigma as well. And, you know, it's not always from just the outside that we feel stigma, but even from ourselves in the internal, you know, we feel, um, I, I had several guests talk about this self-stigma that they experienced and they thought of themselves as being lazy or unmotivated. And, and these aren't true, right? This is something, these illnesses that people face are are not something they choose. It's something that they experience. And and uh, we need to work towards sharing our stories to to end the stigma. And, and that's both of our goals as, as obviously you're here sharing your story. and And I hope to do the same. In this last part of our discussion, I wanted to direct your advice toward parents listening. What advice do you have towards parents in regard to supporting their child with mental health?
2: I think it's it's very individual for each for each like child um but I think just you know when having conversations around mental health just to really keep in mind that there is like no fix there's not one thing that you can say that will change anything. Um, And it's a process and it's frustrating and it's hard and it's sad a lot of the time and it's, but that's okay. And that, you know, is to be expected and it, you know, there, there are lulls and there will be good times and um, just to, you know, keep hoping and to keep moving forward and really just recognize that Um, because things take time. And healing can't be rushed. Uh, I also think just, you know, supporting your child in the best way that you can. Um, I mean, like like I said before, it's hard and it's different for every person. But, and because it's different for every person, asking them what they need and really, you know, having conversations and not just like taking the lead and running with what you would want having conversations and really talking about what's needed is also really important. And I know, I know like in my personal experience, I have parents and I've struggled. And so I've had to navigate that kind of relationship it. And I know that it's scary for parents and I really do, but to really make an effort to not project your own fear and anxiety onto your child is really important because everybody in a lot of situations, and like, especially in terms of mental health and mental illness, is you know, scared and uncertain. Um, but being able, if you're really trying to support your child, being able to separate how you're feeling um, versus like trying to support them and when trying to support them is really important.
0: I think that's a lot of great advice and you already sort of answered uh, this next question in your response, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, What do you say to the parents who are uncertain whether or not to approach your child if they are concerned for their mental health? You know, some parents aren't sure, is my child experiencing something? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. What do I do? Do I approach them? What would you say to that parent?
2: Yeah, well, I I I think first and foremost, mental health conversations in families shouldn't just be something that happens when there is a concern. Um, I think it should be an ongoing conversation around like wellness and support and the support system within the family. Um, but for parents who are unsure of whether or not, you know, to bring it up and if they're concerned about that, um, always err on the side of asking because you can never go wrong. I think, I think even if you're uncertain, the conversation could sort of start you know sharing that with your kids in sort of like you know a parent could say i'm not really sure if you are struggling and this is a conversation that we need to be having but if you need extra support know that i'm here for you and let us know and i think that's that's really important that you don't need to know the answers you can't mind read you can't know what your child is experiencing but you know conveying that message of like i'm here for you and if you need support let me know i think is really important um and asking your kids what they need. If they need anything, how you can be a part of that. Maybe some kids just need space. Some kids are struggling and need to figure it out on their own and respecting what they need is you know, crucial in that process. Um, and I mean, it's also important to recognize that that is hard. And if it's something that you don't think you can navigate um, with your child, just like one-on-one, there is always an option to sit down and have a conversation with a counselor or a family therapist, or another trusted adult who has experience in, you know, that field is always a great option, um, and one that I think a lot of people discount, but is really important and great.
0: No, I, I know that a lot of parents listening to that will really appreciate your advice, and I, I couldn't agree with your points more. I think you know you you raise a lot of important points where I wanted to end um, our conversation today is with this last question. And I've asked this to several of my guests before on the podcast, but how important do you believe a social support network plays in supporting someone struggling with their mental health? For example, community, a friend, a sibling, et cetera.
2: I do think it's important. And I know I said before everybody and to varying degrees, but everybody needs connection and everybody needs love and everybody needs attention. And I, I don't, people who like are quote unquote and are viewed as like attention seeking, I think is really unfair because there's a need for everybody in this world to have attention and love from others. And a lot of times that need isn't met and it's different for every person. Um, and I think the social support plays a huge role in that. Um especially when struggling with mental health, people, it's hard to go through that alone and nobody should have to go through that alone. And people need to know that they have support um, for them if they need it. And maybe they will never, you know, sort of ask for help and share with their support networks, but knowing that it's there is really important. And I also think and something that was really important to me was even when I was really struggling and I was really depressed and I didn't want to do, you know, like everyday things. You still need to have fun because life is hard and life can be tricky and life can get you down and you can be depressed and you get to experience every emotion that you need to experience. But that doesn't mean that it has to be your whole life. I've really... You know been trying to navigate living with my mental illness rather than it being my life and my support network, my community, my friends, my family has been a really great Avenue to just have some fun because at the end of the day, I still need to live life and I you know playing a game on a Friday night with my parents is fun or talking to my friends on the phone can, you know, bring a little hope. And just because I'm struggling and just in times of struggle, um, it doesn't mean you still can't have moments of joy. And I think that's really important. That's where the social support, you know, comes in to play a huge
0: role. I really, really, really like that last point. Um, and especially that's why I called this podcast "Own it because you've done exactly this just that you don't let your um, struggles define who you are as a person and you find a way to live with. Um, mental health or mental illness and not let it define you or take control of your life and and that's the message that I that I try and get across especially with the name of the podcast own it um, to truly uh, live life and be proud of who you are despite some of the struggles that not only yourself face but to realize that we all have our own struggles in our own way and, and we have to live life and enjoy all our moments. And so with that, I do want to say thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Sadie. I really appreciate you being really open and honest with the, with the conversation. And you had a lot of great advice and a lot of great things to say. And uh, we talked about a diverse range of topics. And certainly someone listening can can learn a lot and take a lot from the points you've uh, you've given today. So thank you so much. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, call the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at 1-833-456-4566 or text 45645. As well, through Wellness Together Canada, individuals of all ages in Canada or Canadians abroad can access supports ranging from self-assessment and peer support to free and confidential sessions with social workers, psychologists, and other professionals. Call 1-866-585-0445 if you are an adult or 1-888-668-6810 if you are a youth. Thank you for tuning in and listening to episode 19 of the podcast featuring Sadie Schuster. For more episodes, follow OwnIt_Podcast underscore on Instagram, and stay tuned.